0: on maynard.com.au AU! Hey, this is the, uh, the pre-show part of the show because part of the problem of getting Tim out to do Bunga Bunga, particularly to Bunga Bunga 14, because whenever I take you anywhere, Tim, someone's got to have a chat to you because they know you, they recognise you, you owe them money. That's true. We just spoke
1: to a nice lady, but she was quite insistent on having a prolonged introductory
0: conversation. Part of the thing is that, and I get this even more than you, because you're incredibly good-looking, so people tend to remember you, is that people remember you, but they can't figure out where you're from. The worst situation was where I did go to all the trouble of basically
1: going through my entire CV, and the person said, Oh, no, no, you're in dead poet society. And... I suppose I was, is what I said. One of the students or Robin Williams? (laughs) Yeah, one of the students. Robin Williams, I'd be happy with, but one of the students and I have the same haircut. He's Mm, in-house. I got
0: that for a long time. Some people have a permanent smile. You have a permanent private school haircut that could be anything from Taps to Dead Poets Society... Seize the dead. ...to um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My haircut has been described in the media as
1: Adolf Hitler joins the monkeys.
2: Bunga Bunga! Bunga Bunga! I need to investigate this podcast. It's Bunga Bunga! With Maynard and Tim Ferguson.
0: Episode 14, The Redemption. I don't know, I just said redemption. Well, what, what should this episode be? Well, it is redemption. We are coming back from the darkness of episode 13. Melbourne wasn't that bad. I don't think you have to apologise for anything that you did in Melbourne. Perhaps some of the stuff that went on in Bathurst, perhaps. Some of the stuff that went on in Wagga Wagga. But I think you can walk away with a clean rap sheet from the Doug Anthony All-Stars in this international year of the Doug Anthony All-Stars. and that is a great theme.
1: It certainly is a great theme, and we did have a wonderful time at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. We were in Yarraville. That's right, Yarraville, a place so good they named it. The Yarraville Club is the best comedy venue in the whole city.
0: A satellite suburb of North Adelaide.
1: Yeah, satellite suburb of North Adelaide. The great thing about it is it's great to perform in. You can hear a pin drop... You get
0: nearly 500 people in there. I would suggest that maybe the show wasn't going so well if you could hear a pin drop. An occasional laugh might have been good over the four weeks you were there. (laughs) And sometimes people bring packets of pins and they drop them one by one by one.
1: It's ruthless. I suggest if you're a comedian and you're looking for a great venue, go to the Yarraville Club. Don't follow the crowd. The Doug Anthony All-Stars, we've got this thing where we
0: don't like doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, and you don't like people. You're pretty ambivalent towards audiences, really. If you guys could actually make money by performing to an empty room and saying nothing, you'd do
1: it. Oh, yeah, if we could avoid talking to people, we would. Yarraville was the perfect compromise. For starters, we boycotted the comedy festival gala. Because they were begging you. Yes, they did beg us. They asked us repeatedly, but our answer was always the same. The exposure is good, but remember, Tim, People
0: die of exposure. They certainly do. We're here at the Café Fou the most deluxe, fabulous place. You heard from our waitress a bit earlier there. And she's French, Canadian, which means she's polite and can insult you in two languages. Yes, she certainly can. Take care, Tim, we'll probably be, we'll be rushed back to your bunker of Bortitude, where, of course, you keep your anaconda banjo. Money.
1: The Anaconda Banjo is rarely played but very much loved. But we can't spend our whole lives at Madame Fru-Fru Cafe (laughs) as much as we'd like to, as much as everybody would like to, because occasionally
0: they have to close the doors, and now's one of those times. Because I've actually, you know, the bug-out bag, I've actually got a bug-out briefcase. Listen to this. That's the clip on the... I actually look a little bit like a potential CIA station chief here in Glebe. Yes, in the sense that you
1: don't look anything like a CIA station. Exactly.
0: They will never suspect that you are, in fact, the person who's holding the string. Tim is well known for his uh, shoplifting skills. Like I said, talented amateur, shortly to go professional, I believe, at The Chemist in about half an hour's time.
1: Yes, and you've got to ask yourself here at the Madame Frufru Café, Where did the maple syrup dispenser go? Hmm? Ah.
2: Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road and those who travel it wind up in the gutter of the prison of the grave.
0: Yes, Tim's one for a five-finger discount on the banana muffin anytime. I don't mind doing that, whichever way the metaphor works. <laughs> I think we should make our over there, so let's have some travelling music, Tim. Travel all over the countryside. Ask the Leyland, ask the Leyland. Travel all over the countryside. Ask the brothers. Here we are, deep within Tim Ferguson's Fortress of Arrogance. In fact, if you listen, you can hear it. I
2: hate you! I hate you more!
0: Silence! I must remind you that this podcast is not for children. We swear, we carry on, we discuss adult concepts like monogamy. Yeah, like that's totally
1: adult, man. So if you're under the age of 18, go and stare at your telephone for a couple of hours. Kittler's here as well. Okay, he's a cat, so he doesn't talk, but Kittler is very much a part of the Bunga Bunga (laughs) team when we're down here at the fortress.
0: Mind you, he did do some fairly impressive sniper work during the later stages of the Vietnam War. Yeah, he was very effective, and you don't often find that with cats. They're not good
1: team players, but he liked the solitude and the independence Mm. and, of course, autonomy of being a sniper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, sure, cats can get upset, but when a cat is upsetting something, have you ever seen it get post-traumatic stress disorder from uh, killing a mouse? No. They're not squeamish animals, that's for sure. And have we got a show for you today. We've got sexual politics. I'm too sexy for my cat. We're going to reclaim Australia simply by marching on a public holiday. We give the answer to the tank girl question. Wow! We open your crank mail. Crank mail! And we introduce a sting that is dramatic for no apparent reason. <laughs> I think we can pretty much go home
1: now, Tim. That is dramatic. I mean, just listen to it. <laughs> it's freaking me out.
0: Little did they think years of the 21st century that people would stop watching television.
2: Bunga bunga!
0: <laughs> One of the things that is important to us is the support we get from our listeners, who I like to call my producers. If you're just listening, thank you for listening. It's nice. I mean, you had to make the effort to find this somewhere along the line, or be given it, or, or stumble upon it, or subscribe on iTunes. You could subscribe on Downcast by searching for Maynard's Malays. You can be listening through Stitcher, or you could be listening through TuneIn, or you could just be listening on my webpage. Either way, thank you very much. But I'd like to thank the people who subscribe through Patreon to give us a regular amount each month. That's nice, isn't it, Tim? That's very nice. They give money to
1: Patreon so all of these projects can move forward. The fantastic
0: Danny, there's Nick. There's Daryl, there's Sue, who I personally love. And, of course, Daryl also, was also the fake Paul Keating for a while there, and he's a guy who's always busting our chops on Twitter. He's still busting our chops. Patricia, Mark, Christy, Lindley, John, the list will go on and on. Everybody jump on there. There are a few anonymous people there that uh, we haven't read the name out because, basically, if you were helping fund this kind of material, would you want your neighbours to know?
1: Hello, darling. Hello, darling. Absolutely not.
0: I'm ashamed of what we do, and yet we still keep doing it. Woohoo! hoo hoo Let's just get to the crux of things here. Yes, that's a crux I can hear right now. The sexual politics of Cinderella. You're a guy who loves a Disney film. Personally, I'm more on the Tarantino end of the Disney film, which means I don't watch any. You've got something to say about Cinderella. Apparently it's not all... Randy, Princes and Pumpkins. In a basic feminist
1: viewpoint, there are things wrong with Cinderella. There she is. She's only complete when she finally gets married to an incredibly rich man. And there are sexual politics to worry about there. But as the film, which is beautifully done, beautifully written, wonderfully directed by Derek Jacoby, shows the real victims in the Cinderella story are step-parents, The stepmother is wicked. And why is she wicked? It's never made clear. She seems to be just embittered by failures, embittered by the fact she lost her husband and embittered by the fact that she's facing poverty. That's kind of legit worries. But they've turned her into something bad, turned her into a wicked stepmother who picks on her poor, innocent, adopted child. And
0: just a question to you, Tim, is there... Ever a fable or a children's story where the step-parents or step-sisters are good? Classically, anyway, that's not the case, is it? And even in the modern sense it doesn't work because
1: there is nothing more perfect as a person than a dead mother. If you kill the mother, as in Hey Dad, as in The Nanny... Uh, you'll find that the dead mother is always regarded as a perfect person. As Brady dead, Bunch, the Brady Bunch, uh, the dead wife in Sleepless in Seattle, who could peel an apple and not break the peel Hang until on. she'd entirely peeled it, which is a symbol of her being a perfect. Untouchable person, so nobody can live up to that.
0: Cinderella doesn't even try to live up to it. This goes further than that. You never see the parents on the Channel 9 News either. You never see them. There's just one person there on their own, not even inferred that they've actually got a partner. There's just some lonely person reading an auto cue night after night, after Botox, after. It's terrible. Oh, yeah, and of
1: course, many of those people are gay, which is great. Question. <laughs>
0: Is there any Disney film where both parents are still alive after the first 15 minutes? Are oh, you really
1: throwing it to me there, but even The Lion King, Mufasa, doesn't survive. Most of the time, if you really want to get children's attention in a fairy tale, you've got to kill the parents. You just have to kill at least one of the parents.
0: Does Honey, I Shrunk the Kids count? Is that a Disney film?
1: Yes, but of course the parents are negligent. For all we know, Cinderella could have been a complete cunt. Car- <coughs> She could have been, she could have gotten away with it because she's Cinderella. And because she was the lowest servant in the family, nobody would have listened to her anyway. And her only friends are vermin. That's right. She only likes the mice and the lizards and the pumpkins. The simple fact is that the story of Cinderella was written before political correctness was a thing. The film Cinderella is great. And I cried several times. Just from the sheer joy of seeing the surrender to the telling of the story about a young woman who learns to be strong and learns to be kind. They're her two things she has to have confirmed to her. She's got a great message, beautifully directed. Her dress is out of control. And what was the shoe like? The shoe is beautiful. A glass slipper? It's a glass
0: slipper, which is one of the least practical... Occupational health and safety, hello. Questionable footwear. We've been looking for sponsors here. We've thanked our Patreon sponsors. We can sell anything here, can't we, Tim?
1: We can sell anything. Hot dogs, hot dogs or hamburgers.
0: We'd like to remind you that if you're in Sydney, do you want to get high? I want to get high. Tell me how. Do you want to get higher? I want to get higher. Tell me how. Do you want to get higher than you've ever been, Tim? I want to get to the highest. Can you tell me how, Maynard? The Sydney Bridge Climb is how you get high, higher than anyone else in the metropolitan area. We have a bridge that will just make it simple. Not only will your pants get blown around, your mind will get blown. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah, my beautiful wife,
1: Managed to climb to the top of Sydney Tower and said it was exhilarating, which is how Canadians say it was exhilarating.
0: Has she come down yet?
1: No, she's just having a great time up there and doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to come back. That's how good it is.
2: <laughs>
1: Sydney Bridge climb endorsed here on Bunga Bunga. Now
0: with no drug dogs.
1: <laughs> Yeah, you don't get drug dogs sniffed there, apparently. The drug dogs find the whole area too windy.
0: Oh, hang on. This is breaking. There is recent reports of a drug sugar glider. A drug sugar glider? What is that? Oh, Tim, it's the third most cute drug-detecting mammal known to man, Tim. Is it like a bat? No, that's way down the list. Number one is the drug-detecting panda. Oh, that's always going to get you. You just want to cuddle it. Number two is the drug-detecting grumpy cat. You know that there is a good soul in there somewhere. Because of its disposition, it does tend to call a lot of false positives. (laughs) It's grumpy. You must have drugs. No, 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 it just looks like that all the time. No, you got drugs, mate. That traffic light has drugs. Sadly, the experiment for non-mammal drug-detecting animals in the Northern Territory didn't go so well. The drug-detecting crocodile... (laughs) Hasn't worked out so well, Tim. He's caught a lot of people, just none of them were guilty. It does have the habit of false positives once again. Also, if you're on acid and someone brings a crocodile, a drug-detecting crocodile through your nightclub at 3am, that, that's probably punishment enough. Yeah!
1: <laughs> well, how will you know if
0: you're on acid that it's actually a crocodile and not just someone from Gimpy? If the crocodile is exposed to amphetamines and gets a positive, the amount of Teeth grinding that goes on can be rather alarming. Tim, I believe that you were marching hard and marching fast and marching in possibly the wrong direction during the Reclaim Australia March. Now, what sort of sound or sting should we have for them?
1: Uh, Something Teutonic
0: will do. Oh. Something with a touch of Nuremberg? A touch of Nuremberg. Pre as in Olympics or post as in trial? definitely pre as in olympics the reclaim australia march how did you feel about that tim at first i thought well i mean if the japanese want to have a reclaim australia march they the first one didn't go so well
1: i mean they gave it a good go didn't they the trouble with the reclaim australia march well, I, mean, I thought maybe
0: it was the indigenous population that were hoping to reclaim
1: australia i'd be right on their side Although I'd want to keep a little bit of Australia to myself
0: as payment. So obviously there was a lot of Indigenous people in the Reclaim Australia march that I didn't watch. Is that what happened, Tim?
1: I think there may have been some people who turned up mistakenly Ah. thinking that it was some sort of anti-Captain Cook affair. The trouble with the whole march was that the left misunderstood what was really going on because the left inner city lefty people saw all the swastikas on the skin of many of the people marching to reclaim Australia and thought they were all just fascists, <laughs> where really some of them were just mild fascists, otherwise known as, in Australia, the real people, the true people, the people who vote for Pauline Hanson.
0: Now, you're sure they weren't followers of Eastern religion? They also used a swastika. There was no mistake made about that at all.
1: Oh, yeah, but those do it backwards. Oh, okay.
0: The uh, swastika actually reversed
1: the direction of the Hindi swastika. I'm being facetious, but the fact is there's no point in tarring poor Pauline Hansen with the same brush as the hundreds of fascist skinheads who also turned up. To the marches around the country the fact is if you are standing next to someone who has a swastika tattooed permanently onto their scalp your argument may be flawed the fact is a fascist is a fascist is a fascist
0: and could we define that is a fascist a right-wing group working with industry to subvert the government is that a bad definition was i watching the wrong history channel show
1: that was in the old days where they actually used to hang around people with money today you 'll find the reason why there is a reclaim Australia march happening is because the Nazis in Australia by one tarred by one brush or another, are actually poor people, many of them actually hypocritically taking welfare. These are very low common denominator low socioeconomic males. With no real work to do and plenty of time to march, they're not dealing with industrialists every day of the week. They are stupid and poor, which is where fascism starts. They make great foot soldiers. They make great foot soldiers because you can chuck them at the cops for as long as you like while you sit back and smoke cigars with the big boys. So how do you combat this? Do you go along to the march and try and reason with people? They just feel dispossessed and angry and there are more brown faces in the street than there were when they were raised simply because there should be. We live in a multicultural country. But the way to stop it is two-pronged. Firstly, is through ridicule because what's going to drive a fascist madder or make them feel less powerful than being turned into a joke? And secondly ignoring them. So you laugh and then say, yeah, anyway, whatever, I've stopped listening. The ignoring one, I'm not quite sure if that always
0: works. That was what was done for many years with the radical Islam problem, and that didn't seem to work so well.
1: But that was a self-propelling force that has many, many centuries behind it. Whereas this is just a bunch of Johnny-come-lately dingbats who turned up in Australia a few years ago and decided it should be theirs,
0: and they didn't like brown people. So what can we do on the individual level? You hear there's a Reclaim Australia march going on in your area. Do you quietly go on the internet, start an argument? Do you wander down there and boo? What do you do? No point in shouting. No point in
1: screaming because it just makes it look like you're trying to silence these people. I figure let them talk so that you can turn whatever they say into a punchline.
0: You are very impressed with the work of Bob Santa Maria on The Last Bunga Bunga and... I've been looking into something he mentioned to see if it's still a goer in the 21st century, and that was his subsidies for sodomy. I had a good look, frankly. I found a stipend for stupidity. I found funding for fisting and a stipend for stooping, but that's the best I could do. And what department do you apply to anyway? Is it the Department of Health? Is it the Department of Recreation? What, what is it? Where do you get... The subsidy for sodomy, as he mentioned. Subsidies for sodomy. Go to the nearest Toorak rent boy and I'm sure you'll be able to work out some kind of arrangement very quickly. They could just do it the way they used to do it and bring back the Australia Council.
1: Well, yeah, the Australia Council, well, that was just subsidising sodomy all over the place.
0: But right now, let's open the crank mail, Tim. Crank mail! Crank mail! Crank mail! Crank mail! And what animal is peeing into what vessel in our crankmouth theme this week, Tim? Here we have a koala bear
1: peeing into a thimble. They've got very small bladders. Listen.
0: And it's all over in a flash, isn't it? You've got to admire the accuracy of the bladder of that marsupial. Well, it's an Australian animal we don't like to miss. Maybe we should get the drug-detecting koala, although they are pretty much stoned up in a tree all the time, although they're nocturnal, so you might get them going to a nightclub at three. That's the thing, and, of course, they would make... Gotten a eucalypt, man? Any eucalypt? They would make the arrest, but then the drugs would never make it back to the station. Many Australians that have got close enough to a koala... And let me tell the overseas listeners that a koala's really pong badly in a very uniquely koala way. I got a feeling that a drug koala wouldn't work very well because you could have a kilo of cocaine on top of your head, not packed, and you're not going to smell anything because of the pong of the koala.
1: I spent a lot of time in North America and I've got to say, the skunks are real. I always thought Pepe Le Pew was some sort of joke. You can smell
0: those little bastards from about a mile away, but the koala... It's got game. Just had an idea for a Mardi Gras costume. A guinea suit is what snipers... It's basically a net suit that you wear and you attach twi- twigs and things to it so you can do camouflage. A guinea suit covered in marijuana leaves and branches, so you just one massive marijuana tree for Mardi Gras parade.
1: Well, why not? A walking marijuana tree walking down Oxford Street, it's not
0: like it doesn't happen every day. And the great thing is, by the time you got to the party, you'd just be kind of naked because you could go near the crowd and people could pick leaves off you as you went. And that's what everybody
1: wants as well. By the time they get to the Horton
0: Pavilion, you don't want to be wearing too much. Got some crank mail from... I haven't quite got a name here. I put up a picture of Paul McDermott in GUD from 2007, an interview I did with him, and the person said, fuck, Paul's got old. And I thought... That's a bit of a... Of all the people, I mean, you, of course, have kept your youthful exuberance, but you wouldn't look at Paul McDermott now from only 12 years ago and say, Jesus, let himself go. You wouldn't think that. Or, I don't know, maybe you know him better than I do. Paul has a full,
1: thick head of steely grey hair. What do people want? Yes, we are all getting older. Everybody is, just during me saying that you, dear listener, got older. The thing about the Doug Anthony All-Stars touring with Paul McDermott and Paul Flacco Livingston is our show is about getting older. Our image is based upon the audience know we are older. In fact, it sells more tickets for us to not try to be part of the new breed of comedian who uh, some great comics, Anne
0: Edmonds, a genius oh yeah and by the way was there someone completely new you discovered while you were down at the melbourne comedy festival that's worth mentioning that you hadn't known before you got there
1: yes barrow folk and they're hilarious a duo of women who sing songs tell jokes they're highly accessible they're going to be hugely famous but those kind of comedians you know they're the new guard there's no point in us getting all tarted up trying to look like we're part of the new guard or even the medium guard, people like Justin Hamilton or Will Anderson. We are the old guard and we're bringing a hundred years of live comedy
0: experience to our shows. So we don't mind it. It's actually Molly, Molly, who said, fuck, Paul's got old. So you'll reply briefly to Molly.
1: Molly, you got older while you were typing that. And also we want to be old. We're all going to get older. This society we're living in is aging. We should accept it. There's no point in buying a whole bunch of face creams, getting Botox, getting our hair dyed. There is no point in that because there's no point in denying the inexorable power of the clock. We should all accept this and make old age a cool thing, an inevitable thing, A thing to which we can all aspire, as opposed to some sort of ugly, flaccid and useless thing.
0: At what exact age should people be banned from wearing skinny jeans? Never. In fact, the older you
1: get, the better skinny jeans are going to work for you because they will keep your legs together.
0: And at this point, we'd like to remind you of our sister's show, What Double J Should Sound Like. What
2: Double J should sound like
0: where everyone's wearing skinny jeans, just not on their legs. Oh, where do they wear them? It's that anarchic, you can wear them as gloves if you like. Wow. What double J should sound like
1: is better than double J. Simply because it has a smaller group of people deciding what music it will play as opposed to a gigantic committee of failed communists
0: on that note the local member, the local green member in the state of New South Wales, Jamie, was returned, Tim. You are no doubt overjoyed about that because I'm sure you voted green in this local seat. Tragically, I didn't vote for that I'm bastard. shocked! That useless git, that
1: whining... <laughs> ..irrelevant manner. Why is he irrelevant? Because he is the green member in the inner city. There are no trees, there are no cows there are no kangaroos, there is no wildlife, there is no bird life. In the middle of Australia's biggest city we have a green and what difference does he think he's going to make? Inner city basket weaving quinoa chewing baristas of Glebe and Northgate don't suffer at all. If the environment takes a dive. They don't suffer at all from a drought, from a flood, from any of the things they see on their gigantic televisions. Why the inner city is even involved in making decisions about what happens in the country eludes me. Somebody said, oh yeah, but fracking gets into the water systems. Does it? Prove it.
0: And if you really want to see Gough Whitlam given a hard time, and there were plenty of uh, footage of Gough being given a hard time in his career, just watch him address a group of farmers in the 70s, the uh, original Doug Anthony fans. You'll see even Gough being a bit shocked at the level of their outrage against him.
1: Yep. By the way, what I said about fracking, no doubt you've already got your umbrage on, you've got your chest puffed out, and you can't believe that someone would say this. The trouble with fracking is... It's still going on and it's ongoing and the problems it's causing are yet to be clearly defined. You clearly define those and no government will be able to allow it. At the moment, there's too much wiggle room in the effects of fracking. So nail it and then win the the argument. But at the moment, farmers, many of them are okay with fracking because it's keeping them alive. Thanks very much to all those people in the inner city, but start putting your thinking caps on and get out of your VW and start
0: walking like real people. Quickly, let's move on to something less controversial. Religion. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, what's going to happen now? We asked this question of you on the Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Fairly innocuous one, nothing to get upset about. Please join our Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Subscribe to Bunga Bunga or Planet Maynard on iTunes. All the shows to come out. We don't always do a regular show because Tim is busy and unlike myself, he has a career. I have a Korean. No, it's Malms. a Korean. Malms I heard wrong. Well, here's the question we asked. In the spirit of the recent Scientology documentary Going Clear, if you could invent or create a religion, what would it be? What sacred ceremonies would be performed in your religion... And what would be your holy relics or artefacts? We've got some good answers. I, myself, I've always been a bit of a worshipper at the Church of Get Up As Late As Possible, which is a little bit simplistic and is about as shallow as I am. But, Tim, I believe you've uh, thought this through for yourself and you've got some answers on our Bunga page there. The trouble with the Church of Get Up As Late As Possible is it's too open-ended. It's infinite. Okay, Where do we
1: stand, Maynard? And it does have a problem with dogma as well. Yeah, and do we kneel? What's going on there? You can't be in a kneeling position and asleep.
0: Look, Look, I I don't want to argue the point. If we were in America here, I'd say, look, that is a deeply held belief that I should sleep in and it's protected by the First Amendment. So don't you oppress me. What's the hell for you is just standing up awake. A lot of people do that all the time and they get by pretty fine. We also illustrated this question with a rather fine photo of a ginger cat watching Pope Paul II on television. No one ever counts cats in their viewing figures. Where are the ratings for cats? <laughs> That's true, because yeah. they will watch
1: anything. <laughs> they will. Kim Getchins says, best religion, cats. Temples full of cats, a cat god, cat commandments. Thou shalt complain until thine food bowl is full. Cats, just cats, she says. They already think of themselves as God. The Egyptians thought of them as gods. We may as well fall in line with their feline ways.
0: Just before that, Ruby Tupelo said the Doug Anthony All-Star-sology, so Dasology she would have called it. Yeah, dasology, all one word, has existed unofficially as a religion for years, although it's more of a cult. I'd go along with that. If you see what happens to people when they leave you, man, they're in big trouble. The artefacts of uh, dasology could be uh, belt buckles, bolo ties, uh, significant literary works, which there were a few... Oh, and the Bible, because a lot of your material came from that.
1: Yes, a lot of it did, and a lot of the pages in the Bible were also used for other purposes, and we'd like to apologise for that.
0: Elle Arundel says, I am a regular worshipper. She's almost written a dissertation here. She may even be a theology student, quite a long entry. I think I could be on side with this. She's a bit with my church of sleep in. Every morning, she says, I stumble into the local coffee house, the smaller the
1: holier... A bearded barista with a lofty man bun denoting his hierarchical status takes my prayer, which is cappuccino to go, with my offering in pieces of gold and silver.
0: That sounds pretty good. Andrew Rag here. Uh, he says his religion would be one of peace and love with the odd bit of spanking for the naughty. Nothing too violent, though, with just a bit of light tickling, perhaps. <laughs> He'd like to be known as a benevolent tickler.
1: Yeah, but Andrew Ragg is a bit wishy washy. He changed his mind. He's a bit of a flip flopper. He's flip flops. He's the kind of thing you put on your feet in summer, of course. Immediately he then says, In the beginning, there was only the word, and that word was the bird. The bird is the word. Well, the bird, bird, the bird's the
0: word. Bird is the word. Already there's a schism because everyone knows the word is word up by Cameo. That has much more meaning than the bird is the word. See, we've got a schism going already about what the actual word is in the retro song containing the word. You cannot tickle a bird. The feathers get in the way. Andrew, clean your act
1: up. (coughs) Shell Lancaster, she kind of seems to put her finger on it. Can we talk about that? (laughs) Yeah, but also, Shell also says, I am a parishioner of the Church of Desology." makes more
0: sense than Scientology, Gary Whaley comes on here with going, interesting question. There's a comment we don't usually get. You never hear interesting or good question attached either to my work ever or to specifically the work of Bunga Bunga. So, dare I say, interesting answer. Gary Whaley says, I would try to rid the world of religion altogether. The faith we have should be in each other as a human race. But then he really hooks me in with this ease for all.
1: Okay. step back from the ledge. You cannot fly. I just want to tell you, step back slowly. Jake,
0: Siestma, or Siestma, pardon me if I blip your name there, the ceremony of the orange and black kitten. Artifacts include the tin opener and the sacred poop box. I believe uh, Paul McDermott has a sacred poop box. Yes, it's
1: known as Bondi. Look, these cats keep coming up. Cats are not
0: enigmatic, they are just stupid. Look, in fact, Kittler routinely comes to think that there's some sort of food going on every time we record Bunga Bunga. Yeah,
1: he's walking around because he's stupid. He's hanging around us because he thinks he's going to be
0: fed. Hang on a minute. He's flipped that around. If we hung around with someone, we wouldn't necessarily get fed, yet he does, so who's the stupid one? Yeah, that's true, that's true. We hang around people so we get laid. (laughs) Here's one for the deathology. Here, Sue Weldon, she's come in with saying your wheelchair, Tim's sacred wheelchair, could be a chariot of the god. Mm-hmm. Paul McDermott's hair should be sacred. You agree that uh, his hair is a living artifact?
1: Well, it's growing out of every single orifice he has. You should see the man's ears. Paul grew a beard in eight minutes. Eight minutes it took to grow a fully-fledged
0: Peter Russell Clark-style beard. He's got a lot of hair. Of course, this is happening in the international year of the Doug Anthony all Stars. She also mentions, Sue Wilden mentions, that Paul Livingston's sacred guitar is a revered uh, object from the Church of Dasology there, and uh, his shredding has been known to put audience members into a state of holy rapture. As again, someone who is uh, a bit of a friend of yours, Tim, myself, and I still haven't seen the show because I couldn't afford to go to Melbourne, is he uh, shredding? And people are getting woo. Paul Livingston, halfway through the show, will just burst into this great shredding. He's got a
1: whole bunch of pedals, guitar pedals, one of which is called The Big Muff. Which is one of the earliest, most classic guitar pedals. I'm not kidding, it's called
0: the Big Muff. Can he do the Anaconda Banjo?
1: Oh, he can certainly do the Anaconda Banjo backwards over his head. He's an extraordinary guitarist which has been one of the great treats of uh, going on tour. He's a hugely talented guy and he plays guitar like Angus Young. He plays Angus Young's riffs, which to most guitarists are a bit too
0: challenging. Isla Saunders throws a good religion here. We're going back to a bit of it. Born Again Romans, using the symbol of the rainbow Mardi Gras line eating a fish. That's a pretty good start. I'm liking that. We've got some good symbolism going on in that. The motto of the religion is... Thou shalt stop being a cunt. Oh, and she remarks that Jesus was actually born in August, you stupid thieves. I think she might be speaking to Christians there.
1: He was born when it was winter, and of course, the time of the census which regularly occurred in the dark of winter just because it meant
0: everybody was at home. Hang on, look, look, I don't know much about theology, but... Uh Uh-oh, what's
2: going to happen now?
0: The Christmas story goes that there was a census and everybody had to go back to where they were born for the census. Let's think about that for a moment. You have a census so you can tell what your population distribution is and what they're doing having them going back to where they're born completely disrupts that because you want to know where everyone is now, not where they were. Of course, yeah. And, I I mean, another reason for doing it in winter is there were
1: no crops to be sown or harvested. But
0: why have they got to go back to where they were born? Because they're really territorial, those (laughs) Middle Eastern people. Middle Eastern, let's just go to one of the Middle Eastern countries from the mini-world fact file here. Uh... Nepal. No, not there at all. Is France in the Middle East? Uh, France is in the Middle East if you're in Europe. It's in the Middle East of Europe. Hello, everyone. It's a particularly imperialist atlas I've got here, Tim, because I've looked up France and look what you get when you look up France.
1: Oh, my stars, you've got France
0: overseas departments they're and as- even countries and Australia is one of them. basically, it lists all the French dependents overseas as overseas departments. I love that it 's like a global unfunny version of are you being served well it
1: 's French, you know it's french yeah, they 're sort of funny they 're funny the way they do the mime still. There's French this, there's French Australia, there's French England,
0: which they tried for a while. It didn't work. (laughs) Tim, I know we're getting off our religious thing. We will get back to the moment. You are a student of comedy. You are a commentator on comedy. Is... Allo, allo in one of the top five comedies ever or not? Or is it just a lot of bad accents? To spill the beans to the Gestapo regarding the stolen money, which you may recall you hid down my trousers. Oh, yes, I remember it well.
1: It certainly (laughs) is in one of the top five ever, regarded very highly. Allo, allo is great. It's got great archetypal characters. Stand aside
2: for Field Marshal von Krakenfahrt.
1: Stock characters drawn from Comedia dell'arte, and they work. Some of them are bad... Favourite sk- character? Oh,
0: I think all the Nazis are funny. They're always funny. I'll have to go with the English spy who pretends to speak French, so because it's an English translation, he comes out and going...
1: Good morning. The British Air Force have dropped... <laughs> they have dropped their bums on the water <laughs> All the poops are dried up so there can be no flushing. The machine in the sewer cannot move unless a lot of
0: water pisses through. He thinks he's just getting away with it, but has no idea how bad his French is, that sort of thing. Now, I'm sure a lot of the listeners who are groovy, who are new, who
1: are fresh, who read stuff that no other person would even think of, who go to the Dendy cinema, will be looking at LOLO and saying, oh, how ridiculous, how stupid. Sexist, racist. Sexist, racist, why would I give it... Five seconds of the time a day. My challenge to you is to, in 30 minutes, knock out an episode of Alo Alo that comes even close to matching the breadth, the audience reach and the comedy of Alo Alo. And the answer is, no, you can't. So shut up.
0: And back to the list controversial topic of your own religion. We'll do one or two more. Tim, who have we got here? Cause, and we thank you for writing in. This is what we want. You can contact us through maynard at maynard.com.au if you want us to do a direct email. You can go to the Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Tim has a Facebook page. Maynard here has a Facebook page. Maynard.com.au has lots of stuff on it. You can tweet us. Tim is real Tim Ferguson. I'm at maynard.com.au with the dots taken out. So I'm Maynard yeah, Hiya, Comow. That's some of the ways you can contact us. And who has suggested a religion in the Great Religion Hunt 2015? There's a picture of a pug drinking a beer. It's a pictorial idea for a religion, but that's all we've got from Richard Emmanuel. We'll finish with Scott Burton. You've been given the Burton.
1: Scott Burton suggests C-A-R Church. That stands for Congregation Against Religion. And he says, I would have said C-A-C, but
0: that would have been shit. So let's close the crank mail. Crank Crank mail, mail, crank mail, crank mail. mail. We love to hear from you. Thank you for all those religions that have been invented. I'm going to follow all of them and see which one floats. But right now it's time for a new section in the show. Stop it, or you'll go blind. I
2: was blind, and now I can see.
0: it's our literary section. I've got a few books to show Tim right now. Here's one I found on my list. No Cure for Cancer by Dennis Leary. Of course, this came out when Arsehole... That's his album. It came from No Cure for Cancer and it's actually the script For the entire album, including stage production. See, you can see he's on phone, it's got stage movements, stage left, stage right. So you could actually perform. I'm just not happy because my life didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Hey, join the fucking club, okay? I'm not happy, I'm not happy.
2: Nobody's happy, okay? Happiness comes in small doses, folks. It's a cigarette or a chocolate chip cookie or a five
0: second orgasm. That's it, okay? You come, you eat the cookie, you smoke the butt, you go to sleep, you get up in the morning and go to fucking work, okay? That is it. End the fucking list. I'm just not happy. Shut the fuck up, all right? That's the name of my new book, Shut the Fuck Up by Dr Dennis Larry. This to get into NIDA, couldn't you? Because this is a published work, you could do a piece from this, couldn't you? You could, and NIDA don't accept anybody. Well, they didn't accept me. <laughs> Go for it. Do whatever you like. But whatever you do, do not do the soliloquy from the first episode in 1993, a Walker, Texas Ranger. Don't do the soliloquy where he talks about both his parents being stabbed to death in an amusement park in front of his very eyes when he's seven. And I saw him stab my dad right in the back. And he stabbed and he stabbed. Like my dad's back was a sack of grain
2: that he was trying to open.
0: If you're in a rehearsal and they go, I'm what piece you going to do, don't say, I'm doing the soliloquy from the first episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm no actor. I don't even play one on TV. But I don't think that would get you into NIDA.
1: No, they're way too serious. Do you know, I've spent four years offering to go to NIDA over Christmas and just for one day tell people how narrative comedy works. Mm. And they've always said Yes and yet they've never gone through with it. I think they're yanking my chain. I don't think they have the moral breadth to be able to cope with
0: Texas Rangers. What I think's going on here, Tim, is that they're politely saying they'll have you and then not following through. I've been played. I've been played. I just worry
1: about the poor screenwriter's who are missing out on comedy, which is a valid way of writing. I blame NIDA. Firstly, when I was 17, they said I couldn't come because I was too young. Too young at 17, I thought, are they out of their minds? And now this.
0: Do you think it's a mortal sin to enjoy Walker, Texas Ranger, ironically? I don't think there's any irony in Walker, Texas Ranger. I think it's all real. The first episode, which is a 90-minute mini movie. The first time you see Walker, and I know he's a hardcore Christian and most people in the cast are, and they're severe right wing and everything, but you know, it's Norris. The first time you see him, these Mexican bandits rob this armed truck and leave the people all tied up and they go,
1: What do you want to do with them? Leave them? In this heat
0: in the middle of nowhere? Sure, why not? Buzzer's gotta to eat too. They cross over into the Mexican border and they're drinking. And then you see a guy pull up in a pickup truck. And he does one thing that you know there's going to be problems with in Spaghetti Western style. He opens the tailgate as he goes past it quietly and deliberately. And then we cut to an interior shot and the door opens and the shadow of a Texan wearing a hat is projected across the people who are celebrating their getaway. He ignores the obvious criminals, goes to the bar, orders a beer, and without even turning around, the barman looks into his face and without either of them saying anything, he hides immediately under the bar. This is a bad sign. If you are ever in the bar and the person in charge of selling the alcohol appears to be hiding for an unknown reason, that is what we call a bad sign. And then what he does is, without turning around to this entire room of bandits, he just says... You boys are under arrest. Being Mexico and a bandit hideout, that could pertain to a number of people in the room, but immediately almost everyone except four leave the room. you think this might have been an opportunity for those four people to leave with everybody else while he was facing the other way and not even looking at them. But no, I believe they said something like...
1: "Stuff it, buddy. You got no jurisdiction south of the border. You can't do squat. Watch me.
0: He's quietly putting on leather driving gloves. Oh. And you've got a feeling he's not going to go rally driving in a VW Jetta or a Subaru Liberty immediately. Those gloves are on for another reason. They say,
1: I don't think you're getting
0: the meaning of this, buddy. And right now, I see four of us and one of you. And then he gets his first real line dialogue and he goes, It's about right. I want to cut your face. Stop talking and do it. Cut two. Four guys being hogtied and thrown into the back of the ute that's trailer was down, and he drives them back to Texas. What does he do when he gets to the border? He says to the American border guard, Got anything to declare? Just some dirty laundry in the back. And there you have it. Instead of getting off because he's violated almost every federal law by going into Mexico, apparently Walker, Texas Ranger, knows personally the governor of Mexico they ring him and go, is it okay for Walker to come in and do this? And he goes... Hello, Governor. Walker, Walker, you've done it
2: again, haven't you? Yes, sir. (laughs) I really appreciate hearing you say that, Governor.
0: Yeah, sure, that's okay. And I'm pretty sure a verbal agreement of violating a nation's status probably isn't what normally happens in international law, Tim. There's your first 10 minutes and the best 10 minutes of the first episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Who wouldn't enjoy that? Only someone from Northcote
1: or Fitzroy, or Glebe Darlinghurst wouldn't be able to enjoy it because they wouldn't be able to get past Texas. The fact is, that's television.
0: That's like the Hulk on TV. Awesome. And, and not many people know it ran for eight or nine years, Walker, Texas Ranger. I think Walker, Texas Ranger's sure, it's no renegade. Sure, it's no silk stalkings. It doesn't approach the dizzy heights of... Tales from the Riverbank with Hammy Hamster. There are moments when it it does approach it, but normally it doesn't. But it's still a show to watch ironically. well,
1: And it's no fishing in the Yemen either. You have to look at Walker as a character who symbolises the fascist myth that is the Western cowboy hero who turns up, breaks all the rules and yet still gets cheered at the end. He can shoot anybody, beat up anybody, <coughs> cross any border, and we're still on his side. That's the fascist myth that appeals to all of us.
0: And it did have a great thing.
1: Because the
2: eyes of the ranger are upon you Any wrong you do, he's going to see When you're in Texas, look behind you
0: Because that's where the ranger's going to be but its theme was nothing compared to the Australian show Division 4.
1: Oh, yeah, cops, cops, cops. Those guys, Gerard
0: Kennedy, still going, still acting and still funny. I was a a big fan of Bud Tingwell, is who I'm thinking of. Do you ever meet Bud Tingwell at all? He seemed like an interesting guy.
1: Oh, interesting guy, and just a lovely man, very much a gentleman, one of the, the great characters of the Australian screen, and sadly missed Bud Tingle. If you haven't heard of Bud Tingle, crawl out of the hole and check it out on the Google machine. Bob uh, lent this book to Tim, introducing Islam. How far have you got through it there, Tim? Just the beginning, and I think just the beginning's enough,
0: really. I've sort of The first page kind of encapsulates the whole thing. When you go up to Tim, say, Tim, tell us a bit more about the 6th century and Tim will be able to fill you in on Islam.
1: It's much like when Jesus was walking around. They're basically the same religion, just different
0: branding. They all believe in the same slightly contradictory things. As Muslims like to point out, the Catholics particularly have the whole Trinity thing going on. So it's monotheism, so there's one God. But hang on a minute, we've got the Trinity going on here
1: what does the Holy Ghost do? I get God, I get Jesus. The Holy Ghost is just like, what's going on there? Some people say the Holy Ghost is a woman, and that's not written down. They're saying, well, it's implied, but only in Dan Brown novels. Clearly the Holy Ghost is an underutilised force in Christianity and Catholicism.
0: Whenever I hear it, I think of a bit Scooby-Doo-ish. I think of a white sheet with no feet going down a hallway or something. Well, at least
1: that will be something. At least that will be doing something. It's hard to know beyond being summoned up by Benny Hinn what the Holy Ghost really does
0: to earn all that money. Let's get on to someone who's really saintly. As everybody around the world knows on this international Sarah Michelle Gellar week.
2: Oh my God.
0: It's her birthday, it's very exciting And you, Tim, have studied at length You've gone without food for days Binge-watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer What is your favourite episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And have you got one? Of course, it's known to have comedy in it Although it is essentially a a teen drama, uh, broadly
1: My favourite episode is where everybody loses their voices
0: Oh, snap! Hush, yes
1: Great episode, great story, really scary bad guys, but... The Kitler really picked up as soon as you mentioned Sarah Michelle Gellar. In terms of level of difficulty, Hush is an extraordinary attempt to tell a story, but then again it's telling a story in the old-fashioned way, which is the silent movie period managed to do it, just with
0: good acting and a good narrative. Every time an angel turned up in an episode... You know there was going to be, oh, I love him but things aren't right for half the episode and I didn't like that much but that is also what a lot of people watched.
1: Unresolved sexual vampire tension can wear down some viewers but it's still going strong and will, again, there will be another Twilight, there will be another whatever that other thing was that was ripping off Twilight.
0: And all the kung fu martial arts badass stuff that she put down on Demons and you never once saw her undies. That itself is a Grammy Award should be awarded for that. I know that's normally for music. For being able to do all that and not getting your undies seen, that's expert
1: acting craft. Well, now we know what the vampires were really chasing. It wasn't her blood. It was for one
0: glimpse, one little glimpse. So are you suggesting the entire premise of the evil demon's was basically some sort of cheap upskirt.
1: What else would there be? Why else would you go chasing the same poor woman? Sunnydale, where Buffy lived, was on a hellmouth. Have you lived on a hellmouth? Yeah, yeah, I lived in Blaney in New South Wales. It feels like a hellmouth just because, you know, it's moist, it's hot in summer, and, of course, there is the moaning and the groaning.
0: And by the time you hear this, you'll have done the International Year of the Doug Anthony (laughs) All-Stars... Tour of Bathurst. I believe you're playing the post office.
1: Yeah, we're heading for Bathurst. Confidence is high. I'm going well, that's to misplaced. Be, Yeah, I'm going to be fighting a couple of the things. One thing that I'm going to be arguing against is the expansion of Lithgow. Lithgow never did anybody any good. No one ever says, Quick, darling, let's go and elope to Lithgow. We'll be safe there. Lithgow's grown enough.
0: If you're wondering what Lithgow is, it's a great place to test firearms that they did for many years. Have they still got any firearms manufacturing going on there? Not manufacturing, but they're still testing on an amateur basis. They let off a couple of rounds at some road signs occasionally. You don't want to be a road sign standing around in Lithgow. What other Doug Anthony tours are coming up? You've got Newcastle Civic Theatre in early May. And then, of course, if everything goes well with our
1: negotiations, we'll be over in LA, then we'll do London and possibly even Frankfurt and
0: Berlin. Will you be meeting Sarah Michelle Gellar at all on your tour?
1: It's difficult because, as you know, I used to go out with Sarah Michelle Gellar and I found her very me, 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 whereas there can only be one me, 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 me in my relationships
0: and it's not her.
2: Oh, my God.
0: But where would the remake of Scooby-Doo be without her? She certainly lifted it a bit. She did.
1: I mean, she's a great performer, and I give that to her. But as a person, she's very difficult to get along with. Just speaking through the door to her all the time became
0: very tiring. Speaking of great literary triumphs, let's close Stop It or You'll Go Blind.
2: I was blind and now I can see. (laughs)
0: Tim, I'd see a lot of DVDs around your fortress of fanarkelling, your fortress of funny fables and fortune, but I don't see these two DVDs. Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp, and The Greatest Movie Ever Made. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions at the door, said Paul the Hoban as he made the film. I think he's also responsible for the first Starship Troopers movie. Is that correct? I believe so. Also starring Kyle McLaughlin, which
1: Kyle would perhaps not bring up at every dinner party he goes to. Could we just do a
0: chant now that I first heard at pretty much a drug party at the Metro when they had the movie section. So you'd be Dancing in the dance section, in the movie section they were screening showgirls and about one or two minutes before this scene comes up this chant started at the back that slowly grew amongst the audience to a hundred or more people and everyone was chanting Pool scene, pool scene, pool scene! Pool scene, pool scene, pool scene. Until eventually it happened. Kyle McLaughlin goes in the pool, has uh, sex with, uh, I think it's Elizabeth Berkeley. She does the impersonation of a uh, washing machine on the non delicate cycle. But the thing that really outraged me is they took two champagne glasses into that public pool or a large private one that was lit at night and they dropped them both in the pool. Some child or some person or whoever had sex in that pool next could stand on those champagne glasses and hurt their foot. What were they possibly thinking? What was Paul Verhoeven thinking? Showing his characters doing drugs, having unprotected sex, making bad life decisions, but leaving glassware in a pool?
1: Oh, that really makes me mad. Yeah, Verhoeven lost it at Robocop and he never picked it up in Showgirl. But he does make people do
0: this. Pool scene, pool scene, pool Pool scene, pool scene. scene. There was actually a version of Showgirls going around during Mardi Gras where drag queens performed in front of the movie live in the cinema, much the same as Rocky Horror, that was pretty special. What I think is you should probably cut Showgirls down to a mean half hour, I think. Well, you know, Showgirls is a signifier and I believe a meme, pronounced mimic, In my life, what is a movie that's yours? Is it Star Wars? Oh, yes, Star Wars.
1: It all begins and ends with Star Wars, just because Star Wars is one of the oldest story
0: patterns ever devised. But those prequels, those three prequels were terrible tim how could you have that much money that much creativity and make three movies without them being anywhere near as good as any of the originals okay they're not going to be as good in people's memories but they didn't even come close there's bits where you feel like yelling at the screen why are you doing that the way to do it is get a billionaire
1: who first invented the franchise and just say yes to everything no matter what he says including midichlorians it's all about the midichlorians. You just get George Lucas and say, yes, George, yes, George, yes, George. And
0: They still went and made a billion dollars each, That's those true. movies. Yes, yeah, you can't argue with that. But Lancelot Link's Secret Chimp, uh, the animal activists are not going to like this because people are going to claim that bad things happen to the chimps and we, I honestly don't actually know because it's an all-chimp spy romp. Whoa, Where the voices and Mata Mata Harry, his girlfriend, had the great refrain in almost every fight scene. Watch out! Oh, Mata Harry is over there, and she has a turkey leg with a stolen plane's in it. She's an hilarious character. These monkeys were having a great time. They had their own music. They had the Evolution Revolution, which had two albums. Tim.
2: Lance that link. Secret Jim.
0: That's kind of more than you. Yeah, they were not kept in cages, as you can see. They were out smoking, wearing hats and drinking
1: martinis. That's what we wanted as kids to do. It was the most wonderful TV show. Sure, I'm not sure if the monkeys were completely taken care
0: of, but think of all the joy they brought. Every time I'm wheeling you down Point Road, I think people point to us and go, look, it's Milo and Otis. Milo
1: and Otis, again... (laughs) Very happy dogs. How many skippies did they go through? It's tough being an animal star. How many frank thrings did they go through? Took it
2: out.
0: That's true. Well, just the one, but they went through him repeatedly. I think it's time now to put things in perspective, into a historical perspective. It's time for Tim's Historical Hypothetical. (laughs)
1: Don't expect too much. I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me any hypothetical. I will be able to help us all wriggle out of it.
0: Tim, Prussia, 5th of June, 1944. You are Hitler. You are asleep. But you get up to take a piss in the early morning hours and kind of hear a bit of stuff coming through the door about a potential landing in the Normandy area of France. Do you go back to bed, think it's a dream, or do you uh, snap on your best brown shirt and your little pyjamas with the AH monogram on there and see what's going on? What do you do? Do you continue taking the piss and go back to bed or do you take the piss and get out there and see what's going on? First
1: thing, I go back to the bed and I piss all over the bed. Second thing, I shave off the moustache, get a Botox job And I get the heck out of there and go as far as I possibly can, possibly to Cuba, leaving behind a Hitler impersonator who is mad and has a very, very short temper.
0: That's a fairly novel solution there.
1: Yeah, it would have worked but only for one person. But if it was me speaking selfishly, I'd be thinking of my own survival
0: as opposed to destroying the world as well. That's been Tim Ferguson's Historical Hypothetical. Not particularly useful in everyday life, but you never know where life's going to take you. You never know. And face it, you know I'm right. Too much! Tim... We've got some amazing stuff here today. I just bumped into this CD, this four-CD set. I put it in the bag, took off the security tag and brought it home there. And we've got some 80s stuff there, Tim. Pick from the 80s mix by the Ministry of Sound. Now, of course, we all know Tim's taste in music is, how shall we say, varied? I would say let's go for Right on Time by Black Box. Oh, the one that samples uh, Loretta Holloway. That's good. Yeah, oh definitely sampled? Yeah, that
1: too.
2: You're
0: You have been disappointed that no one's ever sampled your work in a dance track.
1: Yeah, unfortunately Paul McDermott and I were lamenting the fact that Doug Anthony All Star's songs have very rarely been covered by anybody. Paul likes to think it's because they were perfect the first time we a-
0: recorded. Had they ever been covered by anybody ever?
1: There was one band who asked permission to cover I Wanna Spill the Blood of a Hippie. <laughs>
0: declined <laughs> giving them permission. <laughs> Hang on a minute. There's a reaction cause solution going on here. No one covers our songs. Well, that's because no one asks. Because we don't let them. What are you? What are you? What are you people on about? We
1: never said it would be easy. You want to be in the Doug Anthony All Stars Club? It takes more than just sending an email saying I want to be in your club and sing your songs. You got to pay your dues, man. Pay them and pay them well.
0: And how committed can you be if you just send an email to you and you go, no, oh, that's it, we won't cover the song, we had the arrangement worked out. If you were playing it live, I couldn't see any reason why they had to even ask you if they wanted to do it live. Yeah, but they didn't know that. Yes, the Doug Anthony All-Stars have always thrived upon the assumption that...
1: You're basically pretty stupid. People you, but particularly playing in rock and roll bands because their parents had dreams for them. They showed right on time. That's a segue.
0: I was able to find some vintage MDMA while that was going on, Tim, and i got to say, your lounge room looks lovely. Yes, I like what I'm doing to the place.
2: Bunga, bunga!
0: You want acting, you want performance, you want convincing that you are breaking down the third or fourth wall? What wall are we breaking down, Tim?
1: We're breaking down the fifth wall, which
0: in fact really is the roof. It's Maynard's Money Shop Theatre.
1: For this week, we have Oprah Winfrey interviewing Lindsay
0: Lohan. This is a direct transcript which we will reread it's from uh... March 2014 a fairly pivotal work again one that does come up fairly often for the uh, NIDA auditions you'll often find this being done as a two-hander Tim
1: people do this first they do the Hamlet and then they do Oprah Winfrey interviewing
0: Lindsay Lohan now Um... now, Tim will be playing the part of Oprah Winfrey because I believe you have the gravitas required in this part I wanted to play Lindsay Lohan. I'll play Lindsay because she's got less dialogue and and I think that when it comes to scolding, you you have a tone that I am yet to reach. You've been a parent, Tim. You've had to scold people properly where I just do it on an amateur basis on public transport. And I was born angry. I really was. You could tell from the screaming.
1: That was angry screaming. I was happy inside, Mum. I was.
0: Imagine a theatre It's dark. The red velvet curtains part to see two women on a stage. One is noticeably not in a good mood. The other one is looking the wrong way. We see Oprah Winfrey and Lindsay Lohan. Oprah speaks first. I believe that
1: you believe that this is your time, Lindsay. Time to turn this around for yourself. For yourself. I believed that. I believed you when you told me that. Okay. All right. If that is the case, Lindsay, then you are not going to fuck up. I know you're surprised to hear me say fuck. I actually love it. I need to hear that from you. Because it helps. It empowers me. Yes, and so you need to cut the bullshit. You really do. Okay. Just cut the bullshit. Okay. What I really feel deeply from you and profoundly is that you just don't have head intelligence. You have heart intelligence. Phenomenal things are going to come from you. If you don't continue to block them, does that even make sense? Keep your commitments. I can't stand up for you. If I can't trust you, Lindsay cut the bullshit. Okay. Wow. What a powerful conversation. It's pretty confronting hearing Oprah drop the F word and the BS word all
0: at once. All in the one grab there. That's quite a, um, I don't know if that's even a subtle insult. Lindsay, you just don't have head intelligence, you have heart intelligence. Does that saying you're as dumb as a nail? Yeah, but a feeling nail. This uh, heart intelligence, Tim, what university did the heart go to? Did the heart get a doctorate or just get a credit or a high distinction? The heart usually sleeps
1: with half the people in L.A. off its face and then returns home bedraggled,
0: wearing a cuff on its ankle that it's tried to remove. So we could translate this, you don't have the brains not to sleep with too many people, you are a slut. Is that the way we can take the phrase, you don't have head intelligence, you have heart intelligence? Is that, is that what you are suggesting? Is that what you're implying, Tim Ferguson? It certainly is. Another way of putting it is you have an ankle bracelet, not a brain bracelet. Well, if you thought that was drama, perhaps you don't know that in post-production right now on this planet is the Dad's Army new movie.
1: Oh, yeah, Dad's Army's new movie... It's gonna be quite a thing to watch. They only may have made one movie before. Dad's Army, in case you're not familiar with it, is a TV series made in the seventies, which covers the home guard of Britain during the Second World War, and the home guard were typically made up of very, very young men or older gentlemen who still wanted to make a difference.
2: Yeah. Oh Mr. Jones, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Don't panic, Pikey, don't don't panic.
0: And there was a great dynamic between Arthur Lowe and John LeMessurier, who didn't like each other, but they got on well on the screen. Now, I'm going to have a word with these prisoners. You can't speak any German, can you, sir? They'll know by the tone of my voice that I'm in
1: charge. <laughs> they recognise authority when they see it. Yeah.
0: you better come with me. Yes, boss. <laughs> Check out this cast, because you're thinking, oh, Dad's army old thing well it's got Zeta jones for a start okay i didn't start well but she is the reporter it's set later in the war in 1944 after all the goings on during the tv show are over basically everyone's a bit down because they haven't got much to do and zeta jones is a reporter who goes to talk to them and find out a bit about the home guard check this out for a cast captain mannering is going to be played by toby jones you know his work Toby Jones is the little guy who played Capote and Capote. Sergeant Wilson, played by Bill Nye.
1: Who played pretty well Everything Good in 1990
0: through to 2015. Here's the kicker for me. Private Godfrey, who was the old one, the oldest one, is played by Michael Gambon. Yeah, Dumbledore, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. As well as that, there's a few people that popped in here. In Lavender, the only original surviving regular cast member of Dad's Army, he was uh, Pike, the young Pike. He's got a bit of a C there. And, of course, as everything that's even vaguely ironic in England, Mark Gattis has to be in it. He's just got a bit part in it, Mark Gattis. It's going to be a fun movie. I can't wait to see it. Bunga Bunga is your official Dad's Army 2015 podcast. It certainly is. army's bigger than scooby-doo and they didn't quite get that right in fact how many the avengers movie that went horribly wrong i watched it straight and i watched it wacky still can't get over it but the grace jones theme music is fantastic let's just have a few seconds of the grace jones opening song for the avengers movie the one with ray fines and uma thurman in a leather catsuit James Bondy, very cool there a lot of remakes don't go right do they Tim no they don't go right
1: and I went out with Uma just after she'd made that film she was sort of at a low point and she turned her guns on me and it wasn't a very pleasant experience I'm sure you read about it in the
0: tabloids well you will go out with people just after they've made disastrous career decisions Tim this is one thing that I believe Noam Chomsky would say is a signifier within your life Yeah, I was half
1: expecting a call from Kate Blanchett after her work as Galadriel, but it's still going. Battle of the Five Armies was a performance
0: that I think is one for the ages. And if she had contacted you before she did the speech at Whitlam's Memorial, it might have gone a bit better. Although I would have said no. We're going to go out with a remake because we've thought about the Lost in Space remake movie didn't go so well. It was a nice upboot and it kind of worked okay, but... The theme song was a killer. But before we get to the theme song, and let's remind the original theme song from Lost in Space, and yes, I know there were two. There was one for the first season, one for the second season that were different. John Williams wrote both of them, young Johnny Williams, as he was known then. I know the themes.
1: the other one. That's what it was. That's for
0: deep core lost in space people. And if anyone can answer the question of what happened to Debbie the Bloop, we'd like to know. We here at Bunga Bunga personally think that they went through hard times in space and ate it. I'm pretty sure they ate it, and why wouldn't you? Or Dr Smith (coughs) killed it, then ate it. Time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply.
2: Oh, Mr Maynard!
0: But before that, let's answer the question we asked you last week. What is my favourite line from Tank Girl? Yeah, come on Maynard, tell us what the line is. I won't even tell you what it is, I'll play it to you, because it's my favourite scene. There's a bit of singing, there's a bit of...
2: I'm sure to
0: Let's fall in love going on upstairs. Cut to the bad guy and his henchman downstairs. He looks around with a pained expression on his face and says, What the hell is that? To which his henchman replies, Sounds like Cole Porter to me, That is my favourite line of dialogue from Tank Girl. It's a great line. It's gold. Cole Porter works so much better than, what's that? Sibelius. That's not funny. Cole Porter's
1: hilarious. Also, what could have worked is Millie Vanilli bye, 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 Don't forget my number,
0: number. or Morrissey. And Dave, and Dave, oh, and Dave. Bunga Bunga, the show you're listening to, was featured in The Daily Morrissey. There is a Twitter feed called The Daily Morrissey that gives you your daily feed of Morrissey-related items from around the world. Have a look at The Daily Morrissey because we made it for that day, Tim. Yeah.
1: Look, I've been hanging around a guy called Cameron P. Mallor who is just crazy about Morrissey. You said it's all ironic.
0: But what about Dagenham Dave? Dagenham Dave. Dagenham Dagenham Dave. Oh, Dagenham Dave. That's not ironic. That's just taking the mickey out of working class people. Okay, well, what about the lyrics? I could tell you more, but I think you get the general idea. I could say more.
1: You get the idea, and play, Once again, he's just taking the mickey out of working class people. I got no time to waste upon Morrissey moaning. And it's not ironic moaning. He's like, don't eat me, don't eat me, hang the DJ. I got no time for this guy. Either man up, stand up and make your point or sit around
0: the pool moaning with a bunch of semi-emos. Too much! That's one for the Daily Morrissey. But right now, it's time to take your place in history. Take your place at the front of the bus. Take your place at the back of the bus. Put your bum out the window of the bus. And as we, as one nation, as one world, in this International Year of the Doug Anthony All-Stars... <laughs> Ferguson's right of reply.
2: Get this and get it straight.
1: A guy called Mark Lionel was the first person to complain about genetically modified crops and he said that the new strains developed would eat all the other strains because they'd be stronger strains and would basically be the end of the world. He reversed his position after he had gone and researched his position and realised that this is bunkum, that in fact people and God itself have been genetically modifying all sorts of things from the word go. Do you realise that bananas themselves, only a few years ago the original banana was in fact a small dark fruit filled with seeds and yet we all eat bananas And they haven't gone and destroyed anything. There hasn't been a banana plague. But against these facts, South Australia, which is a part of Australia that we keep in the South so it doesn't touch anybody or drink too much wine or kill people with barrels. Although there were no convicts there initially. No, exactly, just a whole bunch of Germans. That rings a bell. South Australia has decided it will extend a moratorium on genetically modified crops until at least 2019. And this is for no sensible, logical or scientifically backed reason. This is purely conjecture based upon superstition.
0: I think Morrissey supports it.
1: Morrissey thinks it's great. And only a gum-sucking idiot or someone from South Australia who's trying to suck up to the rather large green contingent in the parliament, who are also idiots who believe this fantasy would ever go with it. Being against genetically modified crops means you are being pro-crops that require more land, that require more water, crops that cannot help countries that are drier even than our own. The reason why we genetically modify crops is so that the crops will survive and give us higher yields with less water, less land, all over the world. South Australia, stand up and join the crowd. And what's the reason? What's the reason they gave? Some gumnut, a minister called Leon Bignell, who won't last long, is probably gone already, said, we've got a strong reputation, not just around Australia, but around the world for producing clean, green, premium food. It doesn't matter whether it's genetically modified or not. It's grown out of the ground. It's organic. And, of course, it's clean and green. Get it
0: together, monkeys. That has been Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question no one asked with an answer that people might not want to hear. Thank you very much. Oh, I do like saying things that are just common sense. I thought for a moment briefly that Tim would come out in favour of a policy of the Abbott government, re-the vaccination issue recently, Tim, but you're uh, against this move by the Abbott government. I'm shocked. All the Abbott government's doing is taking
1: away free money that it was handing out to uh, all families and denying it to people who refuse to vaccinate their children. Uh, Really, what's that going to do apart from create a whinging minority? The thing to do is basically say if your child is not vaccinated, it is not allowed to go to any school, not just it has to go to a private school or a school like Steiner where half the parents uh, believe this twaddle. And I was once a Steiner parent, so I know what I'm talking about. He wasn't a big fan of the Jewish people,
0: Mr Steiner.
1: Well, no, it was German. It was the 1920s. You're allowed to say those terrible things. The simple fact is... Uh, The government can deny free money to families that won't vaccinate their children, but that's only half the battle. We have to stop these germ-ridden infants from making contact, particularly with newborns who are too young to have received sensible vaccinations. To suggest that vaccination is in any way a risk to anybody is ludicrous and murderous and people who claim that vaccination is bad should be treated by the law, not just by the Treasury, by the law,
0: accordingly. This is a bit of a slippery slope, Tim. Vaccination, then we move on to bus pass concessions. Yeah, bus pass concessions should
1: be done away with, I believe, in free public transport. Easily spoken for someone who gets around on wheels. That's right, I get around on my own public (laughs) transport, known as a wheelchair wheelchair. No, it's completely its own thing. If you're against vaccination, you are going against science. It will be fine if you don't believe in science, except you put others at risk, particularly newborn babies, when your dirty, germ-ridden child sneezes all over them, everything from Mises to Ebola. Get real, pull your heads out of whatever orifice they're in and just get your children vaccinated. The risk of autism does not exist. It is not real. It was made up by an idiot who has since recanted his foolishness.
0: I'm going to leap into the fray and defend the Prime Minister. He has chosen a path that doesn't cost anything and is not overly draconian, unlike perhaps some of the uh, suggestions you just gave there, Tim. And an education campaign would be expensive and the people who you wanted to go to would ignore it anyway. So maybe he's chosen a middle path. Not, a, not always a very abity thing to do.
1: Exactly. It's not very abbott so why is he doing it? I think it's immediately suspicious and I think he should do what an abbot should do, which is go too far too fast. Ban children who cannot prove they've been immunised from school or even society.
0: Wow. This is your official Dad's Army 2015 movie podcast bringing you updates as it happens. <music> Bon as Godfrey. Fantastic. Now that'll be enough out of both of you. What did you think of the Lost in Space movie when they redid it, Tim?
1: I didn't mind it. I thought the special effects were great. I thought Gary Oldman Ooh, yeah. was a terrific. The only guy in the world, apart from the original, who could have carried off that sort of playful villainy. Steve Buscemi? Oh, yes, Steve Buscemi, I hadn't considered. He could probably get away with that too. Again, another playful villain. I retract what I said just there before, previously before what I said back then. Probably Greg Evans could have given it a go. Oh, Greg Evans can do anything. Not only is he a great marriage celebrant, but he can host virtually any TV show. And Dr Smith, he could do that with his eyes closed, literally. Or
0: anybody who was involved in the original Division 4. Anybody. This has been Bunga Bunga 14. If you want to contact Tim... You just go to at Real Tim Ferguson on Twitter. And I'm Maynard Comau on Twitter. We've got a Bunga Bunga Facebook page. Join up there. If you'd like to be a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash... Maynard, and please contribute and be one of the many people, and we read you their names too. Let's let's read their names out together. These people: Danny, Nick, Daryl, Sue, Patricia, Mark, Christy, Lindley, John, and all the anonymous ones. Thank you very much. Let's blast off this this rock that guitar's rocket, isn't it, Oh, it certainly is. Rock guitar, rock and may all your bunga bunga be big ones. bit in the middle Tim's called the drop where the music goes down before it revs up to, for the good bit again. What do you normally do when you're dancing and the drop occurs? Oh, I have a bit of a drink of a
1: water. Putting the pounds to the metal, here
0: goes. Stretch of the back muscles. D- here it comes. Whoa! This cold just got
2: on. Whoa! i we're it.
0: Come